Amen. Well, it's great to be with everyone today. How are we feeling? I'm going to try that again, okay? It's great to be with everyone. How are we feeling today? How are you feeling, Derek Lapel? Thumbs up. How are you feeling, Eric Ennis? Oh, good. Okay, okay. Who else? Let's see. Let's see. Miguel, how are you feeling? Donna? Good, good. All right. Calling you guys out today. Gina Galassi, how are you feeling? Amen. Well, for those who don't know who I am, my name is Kyle Lounsbury, and I help lead the campus ministry here in Orange County along with my wife. And it's great to be with you all. The reason I'm using this mic today, I, I probably could project, but the last time I did that, I woke up and my voice was like cracking. So I'm going to try to preserve it a little bit today. Um, you guys can hear me okay though, right? Okay, awesome. Well, I'm encouraged to be with you all this morning at the park in the hot sun. You guys are in the shade. I got a standard here, but I'm too tall for this thing. So my head's like halfway cut off, but it's still encouraging to be here with everybody to be able to worship together and especially be this close to Cal State Fullerton, where we have many of the students here with us today. Uh, God has just been doing a ton with the campus ministry. We're very grateful for all that he is doing and all the people that he's bringing out, uh, all the new friends we're meeting and all the the depth of Bible study we're able to get into uh, with our new friends. It's been so, so encouraging. So continue to keep praying, please. I know a lot of you have been praying for the campus. Uh, we ask that, you're, you know, that you continue to pray, uh, that God continues to reveal himself and work through the campus ministry. Amen? You know, today we're going to be starting a new sermon series called Empower. And we, we showed the video last Sunday uh, of, of getting ready to start the series. And I'm excited to start it. We're going to be going through the book of Mark. All right. So you can turn your Bibles today. Mark chapter one is where we'll be starting. But we're going to be going through the book of Mark. And you know what I love about the word empower? I looked it up and basically it's to give someone the authority or power to do something. Right. Empowering somebody, giving them power, giving them inspiration, uplifting them motivating them, showing them that they can do it, right? How many of us here like to feel empowered? Raise your hand if you like to feel empowered, right? Whether it's in the workplace, right? You get maybe a new role or your boss tells you you can, you know, you're, you get to, to elevate in some way and have this new form of responsibility or whether it's uh, uh, at home for the kids, you know, some of us like to have different responsibility, uh, responsibilities around the house that might make us feel empowered, right? Kids are like, no, I don't like doing certain things. I don't like taking out the trash. I don't, I don't like chores, right? Maybe for some of us to feel empowered, we like that we just have this opportunity to do something great with our lives, right? You know, if you look over the course of history, you find that human beings in general have desired to be empowered. You look at it. You know, many of the biggest movements in history historical moments, they've come from people who have been empowered to do something great. And other times, maybe do something not great. But overall, we desire this feeling of wanting to feel empowered, wanting to feel like we have a purpose to do something, right? You know, and I believe that we're currently living in a time where people want to be empowered. 
to make an impact on the world, to, to have a purpose for their lives. I feel like it's probably more than I've ever experienced in my lifetime that I've seen, that people desire to have an impact. You know, I found a study uh, on Forbes who was talking about some a business study that 45% of Gen Zers, raise your hand if you're a Gen Zer in here or out here. Okay, so it's mainly the campus on down. 45% of them, that's almost half of them, they want to work for a company that makes a positive difference in the world. They also intend to donate some of their earnings to the causes they care about, thus making a double impact. It says that the paycheck is important, but purpose is key. Gen Zers are seeking purpose in their work at a much higher rate than previous generations for whom pay was almost always the most important consideration. Yes, the workforce's youngest generation wants financial security, but they are not willing to sacrifice their vision for a better world just to pay the bills. It's pretty interesting, right? When I read that, I was like, wow, almost half of the younger generation desires to do what? Make an impact. They're, they're willing to sacrifice what? Money, pay, financial security, just to make an impact on this world. And I thought that was special. But I believe that we all desire, no matter what age you are, no matter what stage in life you are, we all desire to be purposeful and useful in a world full of so much pain, hurt, and needs. We desire to be empowered, right church? And so today we're gonna to be starting off this series with the title, Empowered for the Mission. Empowered for the Mission. And I wanna take a look at one of the greatest examples of Jesus empowering people to live for him. Let's pick up here in Mark chapter one in verse 16. Mark 1, verse 16, the Bible reads, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and followed him. We're going to look at two points today. I'm going to keep them pretty brief, all right? Two brief points that I think are really good things to remember with this story. Point number one is that you have been chosen for the mission. All of us here, we've been chosen for the mission. To give a little backstory, a little historical context to what's going on in this passage, you know, the significance here is that in traditional Jewish education, Students, by the age of six, they would attend synagogue schools, and then by around 10 years old, about four years later, they would have learned and memorized the first five books of the Bible, called the Torah. Not just the books, the names of the books, everything in the book. They would memorize everything, including Leviticus. For those who read Leviticus, you'd know how tough that is, right? Then the time would come over time as they continue to study and grow in their knowledge for them to be chosen by a rabbi. And then that rabbi would choose them to come follow him and continue to learn and study, right? But a rabbi wouldn't just choose anybody. 
You know, in the first century, he would only choose a very elect few. The highly promising young men from all the wannabes who asked to be his disciples. He selected only those who he thought could fully measure up to his standard and eventually become just like him. It's pretty intense. You know, throughout the Gospels, the phrase, follow me, is a Jewish idiom used by the rabbis to mean come and be with me as my disciple and submit to my authoritative teaching. Hearing that meant you had to make the last cut. You are now on the varsity team. You made the team. You're good enough to be a rabbi's disciple. So thinking about that historical context there, you think about what's going on. You see four men out fishing. Simon and Andrew are the first ones Jesus comes across. They're out fishing. They clearly had missed the cut. They missed the cut because why, 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 why are they out fishing? They should be studying or they should be following a rabbi, but a rabbi didn't choose them. Any of us here ever not been chosen for something? Raise your hand if you didn't get selected for something you want to get selected for. Doesn't feel very good, right? I remember one time in middle school, uh, I grew up playing basketball and loved ball. And in middle school, there was a, I, would, I was one of those kids that would play sixth, seventh, and eighth grade at lunchtime when all the other cool kids are like trying to dress nice and talk to girls and be popular. I was like, I'm playing basketball, I don't care. So I'm in like my school clothes playing basketball, right? So that's the kind of guy I was. And I remember one time all the popular kids wanted to come outside and play ball. And so I was like, okay, let's play. So we all get on the line. The, of course, the popular kids, you know, they can manipulate the situation. And so they're starting to select, okay, this guy will be a team captain and this guy a team captain. So I was like, all right, fine, whatever. You guys can do that. So we all get on the line and they're like, all right, I'll pick you. You'll be my first pick. They start picking, right? And as they go, they get to the last pick. And it's like me and like three other guys. They didn't pick me. And I was upset. And for those who don't know how basketball works, you play five on five, okay? Five on five. Well, the team captain, since they were the popular kids, they could do whatever they wanted, said, you know what? We'll play six on six so we can pick two more guys. So it's me and two other guys. And I'm like, ah, oh, okay, there you go. Play six on six so they can finally pick me now and I can be on the team. Right? Well, they end up picking the other two guys, and I was the only one not picked. And I remember standing there, I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, first of all, I'm taller than all of you guys. Okay? Second of all, I'm actually the one that's out here playing every day. You guys don't ever play. There's like soccer players out there, baseball kids. I'm like, you guys don't play basketball. Why aren't you picking me? And I was so salty. I remember I watched the game, and they're playing, and kid missed the layup. I was like, I would have made that. You should have picked me. So salty, right? But it didn't feel good not getting picked, right? You guys can, you know, think of a time for you when you didn't get picked or a time when, you know, you, you wanted a position, whether it was for your job or maybe it was a, a program you were entering, or maybe you were trying to enter onto another team, but you, you didn't make the cut. It doesn't feel good when we don't make the cut, right? Well, in the same way, Simon and Andrew, they didn't make the cut. What did Jesus do, though? What was Jesus' response to the, 
the out the, the rejects, the outsiders, the ones that didn't make it. What was his response? He said, "You know what? Come follow me. I will send you out to make you fishers of men, fish for people." Jesus said, "It doesn't matter if you didn't make the cut. It doesn't matter if you weren't the best in the rabbi's eyes because you know what? You're the best in my eyes." You know what he did there? He empowered them. And that's what all of us said in the beginning, we desire, right? To be empowered. Jesus empowered them by taking the very thing that they were doing, flipping it on its head and say, you know what, you're good at fishing. I want to make you fish for people. You're effective in that area, so let's go be effective using that same skill to do it in a different way. To fish for men, right? Do we see the significance here? I want to ask you, church, do you see the significance in being chosen by Christ? Chosen by Jesus? You know, the truth is, he's called all of us here. Look around for a second. Take the next five seconds. Look around. I know it's awkward. You look behind you. Look behind you. I would guess there's about 85 of us here. Maybe 75. I don't know. All different shapes, sizes, colors, ethnicities, cultures, ages. It's weird in the world's eyes. But you've all been chosen. You've all been chosen to do what? To follow him. To follow Jesus. You know, and I love how Jesus doesn't care where you're at. Doesn't care how far how messed up you've been, how far gone you may feel or seem. He says, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You know, Jesus takes what they're good at and shows us they can turn that into something else even better. Whatever you're good at, we all have talents, we all have skills and abilities. Jesus wants to use those for his glory, amen? Let's look at the response of the fishermen. All right, and this leads us to the second point. First point is we've been chosen. Second point is we've got to respond at once. Respond at once. And you know what I love about Simon and Andrew's response to Jesus is that they responded by dropping their nets immediately. They didn't say, you know what? Jesus, thanks for calling us. I appreciate it. You know, let me take some time to think about it. I'll process what you're saying. And then I'll get back to you right? They, they don't say, you know what, I need to go make sure that I, I talk to my family first, make sure they're okay with it. They don't make excuses. They drop their nets at once. So what's the significance of the fact that they dropped their nets, right? What was their nets? What did that signify? Their career, their livelihood, right? Their nets, in a lot of ways, signified their identity. What are you putting your identity in? What is your identity built upon? Is it your career? Is it maybe your lifestyle? Maybe it's your kids and their athletics or their extracurriculars. Whatever your identity's in, are you willing to drop it at once and follow him? You see that there? You know, church, whatever your response has been, 
you now have the opportunity to change it. Maybe your response lately has been, you know what? I've just been struggling to really, really drop my nets. I'm holding on to this one net because it feels good to hold on to it. Like, these guys didn't know if they were going to go make money. They didn't know if they were going to be able to survive. They didn't know what they were getting themselves into. They just heard, come follow me, a rabbi, Jesus, the rabbi of all rabbis, calls them. And they say, you know what? I'm going to follow you. I'm going to drop it. I'm going to do it. Let's go. I know for me, there's times where there's several nets that I want to hold on to. Financial security is a huge net that I'm starting to learn about and realize, man, I want that. Control of your life and your decisions, your future, right? Maybe for the young folks, for the campus students, right? It's you're in school. What are you in school for? To get a degree to do what? To get a career to find a vision for yourselves, right? Maybe you just have a desire to do something else with your life. Maybe you're hard-hearted and you just don't want to follow Christ because you feel like you like your nets too much. You don't want to drop them. I want you to ask yourself this question. Has my response to Jesus been to drop my nets immediately and follow him? Or... Am I still holding on to those nets? You know, wherever you're at, I want to encourage you that Jesus is calling. He's calling you to drop your nets, surrender your life to him, follow him, make him your Lord. And if you haven't done that already, that's okay. You're in the right place. You're in a place to be able to dig into the word, learn about what that actually looks like, be taught by several people here. About what that looks like because there's many great examples of men and women here that are doing that as we speak and i want to commend the church for standing firm and dropping their nets at once and following jesus and making him the lord of their life and allowing that call to be something that they truly go after amen you know at this time I'm going to invite up our sister Taylor to be able to share her testimony about how Jesus has empowered her and how she has dropped her nets and has completely transformed her life and made a huge impact for the Lord. So without further ado, here's Taylor. Hi, hello church. Uh, as Kyle said, my name is Taylor Keck, if you don't know me. Um, I go to UC Irvine and I'm in the campus ministry here in Orange County. <laughs> I also talk kind of quiet, so I'm going to try to get close to this mic. Um, and I just want to say I'm really excited and grateful that I get to share my story with you today. Um, so just to start a little bit about me, I come from a family of seven kids. I'm the third youngest, um, so it's definitely a crazy household growing up. And actually, my sister's here, and I told her I shout her out. I don't know where she is, but she came today to support me, so I'm really grateful for her. So there's two out of the seven here today. Um, and also growing up, I was very, very involved in extracurricular activities. Um, fortunately, I was able to do everything from like all the different sports you can imagine to dancing, to acting, gymnastics. And I've always definitely had a strong passion for being involved with extracurriculars or being a part of a team. And that has to do with my testimony because when I was in about eighth grade, my, my friend from my dance studio, her name is Joelle, 
she uh, started studying the Bible with the teen ministry in a sister region church of ours in West Covina called Lighthouse Church of Christ. Um, and it's kind of fun the way it happened um, because I bumped into her at a Starbucks randomly one day while she was having a Bible study. And I remember that day truly like sparking curiosity in me. And after that, I like every time I saw her, would ask her about her Bible studies and wanted to know what she was learning. And I just remember feeling really, really curious about church and about God um, because I actually hadn't grown up going to church at all. Um, and so after, a couple months later, she invited me to her baptism, which was on Easter of 2014. And that was my first church service ever. And it was amazing. I remember falling in love with everything about the service. I felt like a sponge and I was just absorbing everything I was learning. Um, and I was really excited. Um, and so after that, I started going to church with her and I started meeting up with the high school ministry at the time. And I decided I wanted to study the Bible with some girls and they would just meet up with me and teach me the Bible. And um, I just fell in love with everything. I fell in love with God. And that year in November, I was amazingly able to get baptized. So I was a freshman in high school, it was awesome. Um, and actually, so at the same time, um, my friend Joel's mom invited another friend of ours from the dance studio to church with us. And so the three of us would go together. And since none of us had grown up going to church, we were really excited about bringing our families with us and just inviting everyone in our lives, everyone from the dance studio. I remember trying to like drag my parents out of the house and my family to come to church with me, which most of the time didn't work. Sometimes it did work. Um, but what's cool is, I see now that God was planting a lot of seeds and making them grow before my eyes without me even realizing. Because after I got baptized, right around that time, Joel's parents actually both started to study the Bible with um, some of the adults in the church, and they both got baptized like right before I did. And then about six months later, our friend Sarah was able to study the Bible like I did and get baptized into our teen ministry. And then about a year later, both of Sarah's parents um, were able to uh, study the Bible and also get baptized. And then a year later, my younger sister started uh, to study the Bible with our team ministry and she got really plugged into the girls and really connected and she got baptized. So it was just amazing to see how God was working and moving that entire time. Um, and honestly, throughout that time, my biggest prayer was for my dad at the time I remember just feeling so like empowered, like Kyle's talking about, uh, to just share my love for God with him and with everyone in my life. Um, but I remember he was just one of the most stubborn people at the time, did not like going to church. He liked it for me, but that was really it. He didn't want to come himself. Um, but, and so yeah, honestly, I thought, I truly thought and hoped that he would come around maybe when I was like in a different stage of life, like maybe in my 30s or late 20s like I just thought years down the line um, but God totally had different plans for my life um, because about right after my sister got baptized he decided that he was ready to start studying the Bible himself and about five months later he got baptized so that was in 2018 um, yeah 2018 on Easter service um, so it's just it's just amazing how God worked and what's even more amazing about that in particular is Unfortunately, a year later, my dad did pass away unexpectedly to a heart attack. And um, as difficult as that's been on my family, of course, um, it, it like really blows my mind, truly, how 
God like had it all planned out and how he allowed him to um, experience a new life with Christ right before it was his time to go. Um, and that part of my story like truly strengthens me in every season and strengthens me every day. And it really builds my faith and builds my passion for continuing to share my faith with more people that are in my life and more friends that I meet. And I'm just so grateful for the way um, God has moved in my life. And so to end, I just wanted to share a scripture that encourages me in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 25. And it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And I just love this scripture because it just, it is, I don't know, I just love how it highlights that we're like, we're in strict training for God for a crown that will last forever. Um, and I just believe that to be so true with just seeing the way God has moved in my life personally. Um, so I'm really honored and grateful I could share my story with you all today. Um, thank you so much, and I'm excited to see what God's going to continue to do in my life. Thank you. Amen. Well, as you see from Taylor's example, Christ empowered her. And through her, he empowered many others. It's a chain reaction. So that's what happens when we surrender our lives to Jesus and follow him. Amen? So at this time, we're going to take the communion and remember that this is all made possible because of what Jesus did on that cross and his example of living a sinless life, one of worthy of imitation, one that truly can empower us to live life to the full. Amen? Let's say a word of prayer. We'll take the communion and continue with our service. Father God, thank you so much for this time to be able to worship you and to be able to come together as a family to remember what your son Jesus did for us. God, I know that as we take the communion, we try to connect with you on a deeper level to, to reset our hearts. But God, I pray that we remember that we were called by you. We've been chosen by you. Lord, I pray that you help us and teach us and train us to become fishers of men day by day, to get better at growing in our faith, get better at sharing our faith. And God, I pray that we remember that being empowered by your Son is the greatest empowerment anyone can receive. We love you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.